line to the front line, from halftime to overtime, and from the training room to the game itself. It's a unique look at sports that centers in on the mental as well as the physical side of sports and coaching. T.K. Griffith and Scott Matthew Callahan are your hosts, and between them, they bring over 50 years of coaching experience to the table with success in both boys and girls athletics. Their expertise comes from the locker room, the classroom, and their living room. Now, the teacher coach with TK and Scott. All right, everybody, welcome to the Teacher Coach Podcast here at Brook Point Studios in beautiful Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. I am here with my co-host, Scott Matthew Callahan. Uh, my name is TK Griffith. I think I already said that twice, but that's okay. And we are blessed and lucky to have with us today uh, one of the most inspirational uh, leaders in the state of Ohio, uh, especially in the world of athletics, Jackie Winden, who I had the pleasure of uh, teaching and, and somewhat coaching. I didn't coach her directly, but I was on the boys' side while she was on the girls' side at Hoban, uh, both as a coach and also watching her play and grow up at Hope. And so I've had the pleasure of watching her grow up into the person she is today. So that's why we're so, I'm, I'm so excited and lucky to have her on the show. So Jackie, this is the teach teacher coach podcast because we really believe in the model of the teacher coach, both as a package of behaviors um, that somebody can exude that may have nothing, it has nothing to do with their job. They don't have to be a teacher and they don't have to be a coach, but it's the way they go about their business and it's the way that they impact others. Um, In in a more literal sense, we kind of believe that the highest uh, model of a coach would be somebody who's in the building teaching a rigorous academic class all day and then goes into the gym or onto the field and becomes the student's um, coach of a, of a particular sport. We believe that philosophically, education-based athletics like that is the highest form. So we, we kind of love that model, but teacher-coach means more than just that. It's kind of a metaphor. I just want to know, um, as the assistant director of operations for the Ohio High School Athletic Association, where do you guys kind of fall in line with that, either through your profession or maybe just through your life? Well, first off, hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> hi, Jackie. <laughs> yeah, good to see you guys. Um, you know, I think the definition of, of what the OHSA is, is education-based athletics. I mean, it's, that's our our mission is to serve. It's to serve the schools, the students. Um, it's that total package of what it means to go through that academic component, you know, Monday through Friday, 8 till 3.30 or whenever school gets out and then dive into some extracurriculars. So I think any any of us that are involved in in that see the um, see the importance and, and I think are pulled more than anything into those intangibles that are created beyond, you know, just just putting the ball in the hole or, or you know, hitting the hitting the fairway if you're playing golf or, or whatever it may be. I can't imagine right now, Jackie, and we're going to get back into that, that philosophy in a little bit, so thank you for answering that question, but I can't imagine how difficult of a time this must be for the OHSAA. I mean, this is just unprecedented, crazy times. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're going through? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's unprecedented for everybody. You know, I think anytime we start to have some some meetings or some calls and start to try to figure things out and it's you know, coming up with so many different scenarios of what could unfold and you start to get overwhelmed or uncertain, you just pause and realize everybody's going through this. There is no woe is me type of moment because Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's a lot of people out there really hurting for things. I mean, for us, I think more than anything, and it's, you know, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be a student. And um, I think that's what's the, the draining component of that is that, you know, the work we get to do is, is so fun because it provides all these opportunities. Mm-hmm. And to not see those, it's not that they don't come into fruition because of work we invest. It's that they don't come into fruition because we don't get to hand out Right. You know, some awards and see some games and some nets cut down and, you know, things like that. So um, certainly challenging times organizationally. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about the OHSAA that I've learned is, you know, how we do operate, how we are funded and and how all that comes together. And, um, you know, I think the more we could get word out on that, I think people would be have a better understanding of, of what we do and what we're going through now. But just like anybody else, we'll figure it out. Um, it, it's no doubt maybe going to look different. We still don't know what the fall seasons are going to look like and things like that. But, yeah. um, you know, you just got to continue to digest it and, and pivot when you can. And, yeah. and and at the end of the day, do what's do what's best for the schools and the students. I mean, that's that's we're an association, right? right. We're governed by the schools. We don't sit yeah. there and, you know, make a lot of decisions relative to the bylaws and everything else. But, right. um, you know, so we'll see. Jackie, one of the things that um, I, I go back to in my mind is that you and I shared a job together at Archbishop Hoban when you were a young coach. You got your first coaching job. I was actually on the search committee that hired you. Um, and I remember really going to bat for you because I, I, I just always really believed in you um, as a person. You're just somebody who everybody wants to believe in. Um, and that, that goes back to when you were a player. I mean, when there's a 5-2 player who's the best player on the floor um, and, and she's doing all the stuff that you were doing, it's somebody that you just kind of believe in, you know. And then I, I, I kind of – I hope I helped you get that job. And then we shared an office for two years. And um, I want to go back to when you were a player. I don't know if you remember this or not, but in 1997 – um, I don't want to say I humbled myself, but they were looking for chaperones to, to chaperone the fan bus down to Columbus for the state final four. When you guys went to the state final four and we had an unfortunate ending to our season. I think we lost to St. V's in like the sectional final or the district semis when Maverick Carter hit like a length of the of, uh, three quarter court shot and we were done. So we were done and we just had a mediocre season. So I was the head basketball coach and they wanted a chaperone for the fan bus. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, and I went down and I watched you play against Cincinnati, Wyoming. Was that correct? That's correct. And I, yeah. I, all I remember is you just had a hell of a game. I don't know if you did or not, but that's what I remember about it. Did, did you, did you have a pretty good game? I mean, we lost by what, seven or eight. So, yeah. um, you know, there's yeah. that always, did yeah. I do enough? But, right. um, you know, I think it, it was one of those games that I had not as much so as, as one game I had in college where you walk off the floor and you say, you know, I'm not sure there's much more I could have done. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think any of us always that are that in tune to the game will yeah. dissect and look back. But I don't I don't look back saying I want another chance because I didn't give up my all or anything like that. But I don't think certainly would trade the outcome for sure. Yeah. So anyways, that that's one memory. And then the second memory that's going to start our conversation is when we did share that admissions office, you would often be on the phone with Scott Callahan. Um, you would be organizing scrimmages or talking about, uh, do you guys want to scrimmage next year? And I never knew Scott, and I only knew him by the name Scott Callahan. And then years later, I got to know him, and he's one of my best friends now. So it's kind of funny how this all comes back together. But your journey, 
your journey, Jackie, has been so unique because you have been um, blessed to have so many different roles, so uh, uh, such a wide variety of roles in the world of teaching and coaching and athletics. And I, I can't wait to go through that journey on it with you. But at five foot two, um, you were the only um, girl that I ever invited into our boys' open gyms as a freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. It might have been your junior and senior year, but do you remember coming into op open gym with the boys' side? I, I do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's – and I think that comes from being comfortable in that arena just because of how I grew up. You know, it, it, it was the norm. And so, um, you know, I certainly appreciated the opportunity to get in there. I mean, how did, bigger, stronger. Let's go back to how you grew up. So t tell about your, your uh, uh, life in Mogador, Ohio, growing up. How, how did you become such a good player, and how was athletics a central part of your life? Well, I tell you, you know, it's – you look back and you say – you know, I think we all do as we get older, but you say now, like, you know, could I if I could do it over or it um, – my childhood was awesome. Um, I, there was no other place I would have wanted to be. It was a, a neighborhood of, of mostly all guys, um, few girls in there. And, um, I mean, we were so competitive and so, um, I mean, it was everything. It was wiffle ball. It was, um, we lived on, I say a golf course, but it's not, um, what the country club life would, would deem. It's, um, you know, Portage County and, and hop in the fence type life. And it was, um, it was awesome because we, it was just one sport to the other. I mean, we played two on two. We broke the, like the, the neighborhood guys broke up into a two on two um, teams and we had seasons and we'd had a schedule and we had like, we had uniforms like one, uh, Todd, my buddy Todd, he, his mom worked at general tire. So we had like this a red trim with white, the big GT on it. And, uh, and he and I were the Lakers, um, you know, he was Michael Cooper and, you know, and, and, and then we had the bulls and we had, you know, and you would look on like, we all have a schedule, like on our refrigerator. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I, I've got to go to, it was the Joseph brothers. I'm at the, I'm at fighting St. Joseph's today. And we would like, and our parents, they would like pack us a lunch. It was like our, you know, pregame meal. We'd get on our bikes and ride down there. We'd do layup lines. And <laughs> I mean, it was, it was uh, as real as it could get. And I owe, and I, I spoke a lot about this throughout my high school years and even through college, but um, it's, it was all possible because of my brother. You know, he was two years older than me. And you always, I'm sure you guys see it with your kids and the relationships there. And yeah. my brother never, um, never not let me come. Yeah. He never, I mean, he'd pick me on his team. He'd, um, I mean, we were, we were then, and we are now very, very close. And there's no way my story for this 41 years goes the way it does with, without him. Jackie, what court would you guys play on in Magador? Where would you play the games? We'd play, well, it'd be at people's houses. There was, there were courts that are no longer there, right? Um, right on, uh, beside the football field. Yeah. And, and where the softball field is, right. um, it was tucked back in there were two courts. Yeah. And um, that's really where you talk about like the junior high days. So my brother was two years older. Mm -hmm. And as a freshman, he played on the freshman basketball team. Mm -hmm. And that the summer between his freshman and sophomore year, he just said, I just want a varsity jersey. Yeah. I want to, you know, he's going to be a sophomore. He wanted to just dress varsity. Yeah. And he got up every morning and would dribble down to the courts, do his workouts and whatever else dribble back, have lunch, 
And then we would play pickup and it would be our house, Hoke's house, McClary's house. I mean, whoever's. And um, my brother started varsity as a sophomore. And so that's me then as a seventh grader going to be eighth. I'm like, this is awesome. This is, you know, but I saw him every day put the work in. And, um, you know, I think that's what's, it somewhat brings me, you know, the COVID has been this whole, um, you know, pause in life. But I think, like that's what I remember though is it wasn't running to to play seven games um, all weekend long every weekend every year. Right. Um, it, it was it was a little bit of both, and yeah. you know I'm seeing kids now on social media and all that. You know you're seeing trash cans out in yeah. the backyard and, and ball handling and and that right. kind of stuff. And yeah. that for me is is a big piece of what it was about. Did your dad always support athletics? Oh yeah. They were, um, but never, my parents both never in a way that was, um, uh, forceful or it it was completely supportive and driven by my brother and I, it was never dragging us around or, and, and I see my brother as that type of father now to his two boys. I mean, one is really into athletics and the other isn't, and he's letting him find his niche an incredible artist and all that and loves, loves that component of it. And I think that's, that's how we were raised. Jackie, when you were a coach, how did you respond to kids who didn't have the same love for basketball that you had and, and weren't driven? They needed to be motivated all the time. I, I think for me, it became a, um, you know, it, for me, the biggest thing with anything, and I've told this to my players throughout the year, is that, you know, the most important thing I think across the board is time. And so I would always talk to our kid and my kids about, well, well, why are you here? Like, this is how you are choosing to spend your time. Yeah. You know, so just let me know why you're here. Why are you doing this? Then? And I would have kids that would say, cause my friends are here and yeah. that's okay. Like I just needed to know what, yeah. what their niche was. Right. I mean, when I was coaching at Hoban, um, we had a kid that was over six foot, you know, and, and trying to get engaged and everything else. And, you know, not the greatest skill kid at the freshman, sophomore level. And, mm-hmm. you know, had a couple friends that got to come out and finally figured out what she, what she loved to do. And she loved to show horses. Yeah. And I went and saw her show horses and it was like, they couldn't believe I was there. Like once she then fought, felt a part of it Yeah. and and you could see her love and say, okay, that's really what she loves to do, but this is what she wants. Yeah. Okay. Well, what can I, what can you give me out of what you want? Yeah. You know, that's so insightful because I think for, a coach, it's so important to let his or her team know that this is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm here for the relationship part. I, I'm here because um, I love to learn and I love to teach and I want to spend this time with you. But the, the giving time to other people and letting them know why they're there, I think those are two really important things. Yeah, it's, I mean, and I learned that a lot at Case, too, when I was coaching there. I mean, it's, you know, these kids are studying, you know, biomedical engineering and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, and I'm, you know, losing my mind because we can't figure out how to break down the zone. Yeah. You know, and then it's the perspective piece. But then it's also, well, why are they here? They're in here to... Yeah. for it to be a facet of their life. It's not yeah. their life. Okay. Yeah. Well, how can we channel that though, to say, okay, right. you know, forget biomechanical engineering or forget the, this or that we are here together to do something. And then yeah. when that comes together and can drive, yeah. then you're onto something pretty special. 
So going back to grades three through eight, Jackie, you played outside a lot. That's probably how you became such a great player. But was there were there organized um, opportunities as well when you were a youngster, grades three through eight? Did you play AAU yeah. or rec league or anything? Yeah. So my um, I started playing. There was no girls league um, in Magadar when I started, like youth league, junior pros, what they what they called it. So my dad and his buddy Steve Broderick, you know Broderick's, oh, yeah. uh, Ben's Ben's yeah. dad and, and Mert. Um, and so they started because Mert was two years older than me as well. And okay. so they started, you know, her in fourth grade. Then I was in second. And we started this yeah. girls league that still, I believe, is, is still being played today. Wow. But um, so we did that in the youth league growing up every Saturday morning. And okay. that's one of those things, too. People always ask me, what's your what's your favorite memories about basketball? And I say, well, off the floor, there's two. One is shooting behind the grill because in the summer you know you always grill out yeah. that's the right corner it was about 15 feet out and that was my shot with my dad and i every night we'd shoot the right corner so people are like you know what's your favorite spot on the on the floor to shoot from right. it's the right corner yeah but um but so we you know we'd play in the leagues and, and what have you but um through the monitor leagues up through and then um i did play some spring ball if you will or, or yeah. in the summer a little bit um, very different than I think the experience is now. Again, right. it was one of those things where it wasn't um, necessarily every weekend and, right. you know, we weren't traveling a ton, um, but we were, it was interesting because it had just kind of started and become on the forefront and there were, there were really no teams that I knew of in the Akron area. Wow. Um, so my dad had gotten a hold of a guy and, and calls, uh, Russ Falcone was his name and he says, um, you know, hey, I, we need some height. My dad's like, I, I can't help with that. And he said, well, just, you know, come on up and, yeah. you know, we'll see. Right. So I go up to the, the tile gym there that, that used to be Diulis's and, yeah. um, you know, and just just had a great time. Yeah. And um, and after a couple, they were like, you know, yeah, you're not you certainly don't have height, <laughs> but, but you can stick around just because yeah. I, I just had so much fun playing. Yeah. And. Um, I, I never got to play really with that team. I Jackie, who are some of the girls on that team? Cause I know what you're talking about. That was <laughs> one that, first of all, I think that was the best era, the golden era of Ohio high school girls basketball. Yeah, but that was, team that you were on are some of the best players ever in Ohio. Yeah. So it was a year, you know, we were in the gym and this is when like Vonda Ward would have been, you know, older than us, but in our high school years. And then, you know, you got Nas Hillman, who's playing at Michigan. Her mom was always around in the gym there. And then the players that I played with were Samika Randall, who's an All-American and, you know, at Tennessee and um, uh, Chrissy Falcone, now Kanapka, who's, um, you know, played at Trinity, played at Penn State, played in the Final Four. Um, The Juice, we called her, Leslie Majewski, who went to Youngstown State. Um, you know, you know, you remember Johnny King from, from St. V, his sister, Sasha, um, you know, so we, we had some, some, some really, really good players. And that's, that's one of the things too, you know, I hear a lot, well, you know, you, you got to play in college and you played in high school and you don't know what it's like not to play. And I think back to those days where I literally heard our assistant coach ask if it or tell the head coach to put me in. And he said, is it safe? I mean, we were up by, we were up by like 32. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know you do, and you you learn things from that. And I remember parents telling my dad, you know, why do you drive up there? And she doesn't even get to play and all that. Yeah. She loves it. And I might not have gotten in the games, but practicing with those guys two days a week or three days a week was a heck of a lot better than 
you know, playing maybe on a team where we win by 40 and, and I got to play the whole game. Right. So that's, that's why I think it was such an important age and because it, it really helped me craft from a skills perspective, not just, not just on the floor playing. Yeah. Jackie, so now you're around eighth grade, let's say. Um, what, what made you go to Hoban? Because you guys are such um, loyal Mogador people in my mind and your brother had gone there. What was your Hoban connection? Yeah, I was, it was, um, I still feel, you know, really connected to the Mogador community. I mean, those, and, you know, those guys all came to games um, throughout my time at Hoban and had a great relationship and still do um, with the community and, and the school. Um, for me, I think it came down to um, a little bit of both, both one being expanded horizons, you know, Mogador is a small village and it's, it's a great town to grow up in. And for me, it was perfect. And it's a boy's town when you talk about football and some of those things. Um, but I think through, um, you know, through the Brodericks and, and seeing, um, you know, just a, I don't want to say a bigger world. I don't mean that in a negative way at all. It's just, I think opportunity. Um, and the other piece for me, which, um, probably sounds a little quirky, but was, was the faith piece. Um, you know, for a seventh or eighth grader to kind of get that or to find that sense of, um, you know, direction for not being, for not being Catholic. Um, what was an important piece too? And I knew just enough people, I think, to be comfortable with it. Um, you know, Nate Fillmore, um, left Mogador, played for you. Um, you know, I was, his sister and I were in the same, same grade all the way through at Mogador. So there was enough that it's, it it felt like just the right, the right decision. Yeah. His dad, Jim was a really good man. He was, uh, my film, film, my games for many years. Um, so, got, Jackie, did did you acclimate to the Hoban culture immediately? Like, how, how did you blend in? Because sometimes in the old days, especially when kids did not come in from CYO schools, it took them a while to acclimate. Did did you acclimate pretty well? Yeah, I I don't remember not acclimating. I <laughs> guess so. So I think it. You know, I'm not scarred by anything. So I, th- I think it went well. And I think that's what sport can do. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what Hoban offered. You know, right. there was no. There was a sense of community, you know, from the get-go, yeah. um, where I didn't feel um, like an outsider, yeah. um, you know, and and you know, I'm actually, you you know, we talk about, well, what else do you have going on? And you know, it's Alicia Alicia Longstreth Gaffney. It's her 40th birthday today, so we're no doing way. like a Skype call here later at, okay. tonight to, cool. to have a little happy yeah. hour and wish her happy birthday. But it's it's friends like that that. Yeah. You know, uh, and Aaron Lutz is going to be on the call. And that's, you know, that was the yeah. first friend I really made at Hoban. Right. Yes, it's called the Teacher Coach Podcast. And I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of interested in, in what teachers influenced you um, at Hoban or coaches um, or teachers and coaches, if you wish. Um, who kind of, who kind of strikes a bell when you look back at your Hoban years as far as a teacher coach? Uh, our, my student teacher in English, my freshman year was TK Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's one. But um, honestly, you know, it, it's funny. I, I was working at Akron earlier this year and ran into um, it's it's funny to say their first names, but Sean and and Tina Brayman, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. and um, I think of uh, you know Mr. Silviti and yeah. and Jamie Donnelly and yeah. uh, Mr. Hillary, you know, some of these folks and, and the Orsinis. I right. mean, um, you know, it, it, there's. There's so many through those through those years that I, I still lean on and, and you know I reach out to you I've reached out to um, to Coach Orsini an, an awful lot as well and and Marianne Biting I yeah. think she was a phenomenal leader um, you know her daughter was in my class which I, I know is probably challenging for her to have you know the principal <laughs> but 
you know, they handled that, you yeah. know, with such grace and just, yeah. um, you know, really just a special place where I think you could really lean into to, to yeah. all those people. Yeah. Let's go to the basketball side now. Who did you play for during your time at Hoban and, and how, how did those people influence you? So I played for, um, I, I made varsity as a freshman. So I played for Laura Lee Daly was our coach all four years there. Okay. And then Kathy Orsini was our, was our JV coach and varsity assistant. Okay. Um, and you know, you talk about, and it, it really came into the forefront too with, you know, Muffet McGraw retiring the other day yeah. and, and you talk about the presence of women. Yeah. And, um, for me, I think that really helped too, when you're talking about transition and, and being a freshman was, um, you know, women tend to be a little bit more nurturing. Yes. I don't mean that negatively towards you guys that, That's you know, okay. coach women before too, but, yeah. um, to see, to be in the gym with kids running around and, yeah. you know, the little Orsini kids in diapers and, yeah. you know, it was, it was an element that I think made me feel, um, you know, I don't want to say less intimidated, yeah. um, but just like I was a part of something. Like a family? And, uh, yeah, very yeah. much so. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd never, I don't want to say I never really had that before because I did with my teams, but it was, yeah. it was just different. It was just different. And I think part of that was, you know, through my own maturity too and, and, and being able to recognize it. But it also, I think, says an awful lot about, about Hoban. Jackie, what type of coaching did you most respond to? You know, it's, that's interesting. I, personally, I think I just responded to, because my college coach, a female as well, was really intense. Um, coach Daly was more of a, you know, soft-spoken and, and X's and O's. And, you know, when she lost her cool, you know, it, it meant something, Um Coach Orsini was really fiery, and and I think you know I heard a great quote about about Bobby Knight. You know they talked about him like you know losing his mind on it, and and a parent told a, a one of their kids that played for him, when they call you an idiot, don't listen to him. When they tell you why you're an idiot, listen to him. <laughs> and my dad always talked about that, like just you know so. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're on you. So right. what are they, you know, and it, it, it all come back to that balance with, um, with my mom and dad of just kind of that. Okay. Right. Then, you know, yeah. so they, they might be wrong, right. whatever, next play, next yeah. play, you know, kind of that cycle of it. But I, I think I always found energy in being pushed, no question, okay. but I, you know, and, and, and being laid into and, and being, you know, put into a position where, you know, somebody's on, you know, really on you because they, they're not on you just to yell and scream. They're on you because we're trying to be a better basketball team. And I think that yeah. goes back to my whole thing at the beginning of this, when we were talking about time, why are you here? Yeah. I'm here because I'm investing in this to be better. Right. Jackie in high school and college, oftentimes you were the best player on your team and, and you were always the point guard. Did, did, you get coached differently because you were the best player in the point guard. And when you were a coach, did you have a different type of relationship with your best player? Were you tougher on her? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. It's um, you know, a lot of people I think saw it that I was coached differently in the sense that maybe I had a longer leash uh, you know, or I could make more mistakes or things like that, but I don't feel I was yelled at any less uh, or any more than anybody, I think it was, goes back to how I absorbed it. You know, I think my leash was longer because 
I didn't you were pass. Better. You, I you were better, Jackie. <laughs> you have to well, keep your best players on the floor, too. And, yeah, and, yeah, and that, that's a part of it. But I think a, a piece of that, too, though, is a better play for player skillfully is one thing, but but a player mentally is another. Yeah, that's and what and I, mean. I always felt like the mental component for me was to be able to, to play through that. And again, that goes back to digesting criticism or digesting being coached. And I think you need, some players have asked me, they're like, well, she can, she, she yells at you. And I said, I know. And you just, you let it go, like move yeah. on. Yeah. What? And if you buckle down in some of that, I think that, that, can be a difference liar in the same way of maybe somebody that's got a, a better crossover right. or something you, like that. Jackie, you just said something that resonated so loudly with me. You said oftentimes your leash was a little longer because you didn't pout. And I can remember John, one a quote attributed to John Wooden. His parents had like three rules for him. And the number one rule is you weren't allowed to whine or complain. <laughs> And I think that's one of the soft skills that a true teacher coach tries to enforce and kind of grow in his or her students or, or players is this whole idea of resiliency and, and that next play mentality and just get beyond yourself a little bit. Absolutely. I, um, I you know, my mom used to, to call me before games as a player. She did it in high school. She did it in college. Um, she did it when I was coaching even sometimes when I'm about to go on a game and announce, I mean, and, and all it would say was smile, play hard and have fun. And I would tell my players that before yeah. we go on the floor, Hey, here's, you know, and you, you know, we can dive into the coaching piece at, a, at another time, but you talk about too, you know, how much do you go over in pregame? How much do you talk about? You know, I was horrible at that as a coach. And it was, it was just, you know, wanting to say, Let's keep it like we've done all the work we need to do. Smile, play hard and have fun. Yeah. Well, and, and one more thing related to this whole no pout, because this is, this is big with me. I think so many times as a young coach, that was one of my problems. I pouted too much. If practice wasn't going well, I pouted. If a game wasn't going well, I pouted. And, and I think you got to get beyond yourself as a coach because your body language screams to your team and I think we coaches sometimes don't have that next play mentality either so I always go back to Dr. Biting she always used to say you always have to be the the adult in the room if you're a teacher or a coach and part of that is not pouting yeah yeah that's, and, and that's... she would also say Scott and what did you get out of this meeting I loved I love when she summarized the meeting like that because she wanted to be sure that 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 I got all the nuggets out of that meeting. That that so, sometimes we tell a player something and we think that we got the message across, but it's not what they heard. There's two sides to that communication, you know, not just one side. Jackie, I want to go back to what we talked about there. Um, I love. I'm writing that, I, that. I'm writing that quote down real quick from Doctor Biting. Yeah. Um, what did you get out of this meeting? Might have been one of them. Got but, it. Um, yep. I love uh, the what you said there about. It, 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 what I kind of summarize it as is you kind of can adapt to any kind of coaching. And um, in a way, I, I heard that, even though you didn't quite say it like that, But although you like intensity. But don't you believe that if, if a player has the love of the game and they've been taught to be secure in who they are as a person, and maybe even to guess, I guess you could say love themselves, but, but they're just secure, 
that they're going to respond to probably any coach except a coach who just doesn't care. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's that. And then it's also though, understanding, um, you know, understanding, you know, we can talk about love of the game and the, the reality is not every high school player loves the game. Right. I had teammates that did not love the game. Right. So I think that goes back to, well, what do you love about being here then? Yeah. Because if, if it's about, well, I love being a teammate, yeah. then yeah, you are going to go box out weak side because yeah. <laughs> that's your responsibility to the right. team. You don't do it because you love the game, yeah. but you love it because this is, you know, I might love it because this is the X's and O's strategy behind it. Yeah. So I think it goes back to finding that niche. And then that's what's transferable, I think, then to, to anything you go and do. Right. You know, it's, you know, I don't love every aspect of, my my job or or this or that or previous jobs or that yeah. but it's but at any time for me i can go back to say but you know what's what's the reasoning behind it or what's the investment piece because of it yeah. you know that then there's a little bit of, i think latitude to to lean in on it and, and love it a little bit so jack so jackie you have a great career at hoban you're the beacon journal player of the year the first um actually i think you were the second hoban athlete to to, to receive that I believe Don Heideman was, um, and I hope I didn't miss a third, but um, you were the Beacon Journal Player of the Year, which back in the day, that was a huge deal for anybody who is young listening to this. Um, and then before we move on to college, because I do want to, I've heard the story about how you were recruited, and I love it, how they kind of found you. Um, what, 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 what did you take away from Laura Lee and or Kathy that you integrated into your own coaching before we move on to college? I think the authenticity piece, you know, and it's, you know, I remember my dad talking to me about that when I got, when I got the case job and was just kind of finding my way and really felt like I was, you know, in a different world because being at Hoban coaching, there was a level of comfort there because I had gone to school there. But um, the authenticity piece of, of being true to who you are, because, um, you know, Coach Daly was ice water in her veins. <laughs> I mean, there was... You know, you look at the tournament run when you talk about going to state. I mean, yeah. I think the average win for us during that playoff run was like four points or five points. I mean, it was two buzzer beaters, you know, overtimes and, and yeah. this and that. And she was the epitome of calm and cool. Yeah. Like you talk about being in a huddle and, you know, what are we going to run and what? I yeah. mean, she was yeah, she was as, as calm and collected as you could be. And then you had Coach Orsini who's like, you know – I don't give a shit what the score yeah, is yeah. like, let's go, you yeah. know, the, 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 and we called it, we joke about it. It was fire and ice yeah. and not fire from coach Orsini in a crazy way, yeah. but in a, in yeah. a passion way that you could really, right. you could really, um, you could really feel and absorb. So yeah. I, I think, I think that's where I kind of learned too. You can be successful being different. Yeah. You know, you can, you can find your way and, and right. get results as long as it's true to you yeah expressing I, it i think laura lee uh, everything you said really embodies who i saw her as even though it's been so long ago i forget because uh, i wasn't coached by her but watching her coach she reminded me of a tom landry on the women's side you know uh, just had her stuff together at all times was never going to lose her poise but was very measured and methodical yeah. and planned mm -hmm. out um, and organized, you know, she was going to give her student athletes the best chance to win because she was going to be prepared. 
And Absolutely. I, really, I really respected that. So then you move on to college. Tell us about how you found your way to Gannon. So, um, you know, it's the college recruiting has changed a lot, I think, in the last, gosh, 20 some years. Right. Um, but it it was um, it was uncharted territory and I really didn't know or have any guidance, I would say, in, in trying to get to the, you know, or what that next level looked like. And again, I think it goes back to, to my folks and, and, you know, the, the people that you surround yourself with that. I think the thing that drives me nuts nowadays is all I hear is D one, yeah. you know, or, or, you know, well, what year are you? I'm a, I'm a 2022. What, yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I did okay in math, but what, what yeah. is that? What, yeah. you know, and, and they just, they self-identify so much by, by those things. And, um, you know, I was, I was lucky. I had looks from division one, two, and three, yeah. um, and, um, had scholarship offers from one and two, and then opportunities at three. And the, the thing that, that really came into fruition for me. And, and again, the guidance of my folks is, you know, where do you want to be? It was never, you know, go D1, go, go big, go. It was, you know, let's go visit some schools and, and what feels right and what fits. Yeah. And um, I remember talking to Lutz, one of my best friends here, who I'm going to talk to you later tonight. And, yeah. you know, we're, you know, senior, you know, you're talking about, well, where are you going to go? What are you looking at? And we had both heard from Gannon. No and um, I was, I was recruited by them um, because Jody Kess, when she got the job, um, she had, she offered me without ever seeing me play live, wow. which is also unusual. And one of the reasons yeah. I'm really grateful to um, coach Lindsay, Bob Lindsay used to be at Kent state had called her. They were good friends and said, Hey, this, I got a kid in my backyard that is a little bit too small for my system. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I'd be looking at her, but I think, you know, she will be a steal for you. Yeah. Um, and I visited campus, just showed up at campus without ever, um, without a, a visit or, you know, official or this or that, just took a drive and had visited Allegheny, went up to Gannon, just, you know, one of those days with my parents and yeah. just happened to cross paths with Coach Cast as she was leaving to go play a round of golf in the summer. <laughs> and, you know, you know, you just kind of go through all those yeah. steps. But So thank, um, thank God for her golfing uh, habit, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and thank God for Bob Lindsay. You know, I think yeah. that's the other piece is you hear so many kids like, you know, you never know who's in the stands and who's yeah. watching and you don't yeah. know who knows who. I mean, I, yeah. I was talking to a good friend of mine today that just, Hey, can you, you know, look out for my daughter a little bit? And right. I, I haven't seen her play. Sent me a couple of clips and, yeah. um, you know, Marshall has offered her and you know, yeah. okay, well that's it. You know, you get, get some ideas on some stuff or where to maybe send the kid, but yeah. it's, you never know who's connected to who and, and how those things come into fruition. Yeah. I like what you said about Bob Lindsay, because at the end of his career, didn't he get some criticism and some, and some, some flack? A little bit. I mean, they, they had, you know, struggled a little bit, but yeah. you know, as we know in coaching, you have one or two years where the injuries, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or you know, a kid gets out of your rotation yeah. at that level, it, yeah. it can well, be detrimental. And then all of a sudden it's not a yeah. Bob Lindsay type year at that yeah. level then. But, I think, but yeah. I think we lose track of some of the good things that a coach like that does. Because oh. um, I know he was um, in the newspaper, something came out about how hard he was on the girls and all that stuff. And I'm sure he did push his players to a high level because that's what you have to do to be good. But but yet, as a servant leader, you know, he he uh, he, he, he threw you a bone and, and, and kind of helped you land where you did, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, I just got to give a shout out to Bob. When when I was the head girls coach in the early 2000s at Wadsworth, we had good players. And one of my best players, Tiffany Kelly, uh, was a four-year player at Kent State for Bob. And we got to go watch uh, the coaches I coached with, a lot of his practices. We went to a lot of their games. We went to their team camp. He was probably the first college coach who really, um, I guess, embraced the idea of sharing the game with me and other high school coaches in the area through his camp. And uh, he was as good a basketball coach from a practice standpoint as I've ever been around. And I think he was really innovative too. They played fast. They loved the press. They pushed the basketball. They shot the three. Um, he, he, was, he had a great sense of humor. Um, he, he was a coach's coach. Yeah, you, uh, he'd be a good guest for you guys, too, if you could track him down, because he's, you talk about enjoyable conversations, like you said, Scott, I mean, just the stories, and you talk, I mean, he, there was no doubt, I mean, he could, he could get fired up and get into it, but when you sit down and talk to him, and yeah. I mean, it's, he, he's a great man, great coach, and I know I was really sad to see him leave when he, when he left Kent. So, Jackie, you go to Gannon, and you, you kind of played for, um, a quietly intense coach in Laura Lee Daly. And then Jody is not quiet. Um, I know her well, and she's a good friend. I mean, she's intense and fiery. How did you make that adjustment, and what was your Gannon career like? It was um, – I, I went through the acclimation period just like any freshman did. Um, I was ready to leave during my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my dad, again, okay, pack the car. And I was, well, I'm not packing the car. I, this is where I said I was going to – you know, and so um, – but, you know, you go through the ups and downs just like anybody does. And, and yeah. you, know, you go from this, you know, being going through this recruiting process where it's, you know, all the love in the world from all these coaches. Now you're a freshman. Now they got you. Right. And guess what? You're 17, 18, having never worked out at that level, yeah. going against a 21-year-old that right. can pretty much just pound you. Yeah. I mean, I had my freshman year, I had six stress fractures wow. um, in both my legs. I had to miss um, – it was the first injury I'd ever had where I had to sit out. I missed yeah. 10 games um, because four of the, four of the um, stress fractures were, were on pace to like connect. And then it was just going to shatter my shin. Yeah. Um, but so that was an adjustment too. And trying to find my way through that. Yeah. Um, and then once I got through that freshman year in sophomore, junior, senior year were, were a lot of fun. Um, you know, we had, we had, we had a great team. I had two kids uh, or two players that played below me. One was a, a 2000 point score, um, all American, uh, six, one player that, I mean, I was begging and trying to get us to go like play Akron and, in yeah. some of these schools to get back home and they wouldn't play us. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was, that was, I think one of the interesting things too, about wanting to go to Gannon was they hadn't had a winning season in over a decade. Wow. And it was kind of like, yeah. You know, let, let's see what we can do here. And, you yeah. know, I, I, by my senior year, we had the first NCAA, NCAA win in program history. Wow. Um, so to be a part of that turnaround required yeah. the type of coaching that, that Coach Kest, I think, brought to the forefront. And she was um, she was she was energetic. She was high energy. She yeah. was um, you, know, you talk about playing um, fast pace and, and shooting the three. I mean, and, and that's probably why. Coach Lindsay too um, gave yeah. her the call, but that it was a lot of fun. But we, um, you go through those ups and downs. I mean, right. there were, you know, teammates there that that you didn't always get along with. Right. Um, but, but again, when you're on the floor together, yeah, this is what we're here to do. Yeah. And um, yeah. it was, 
I, I wouldn't do it over. You know, yeah. it's, you know, what I've wanted to go somewhere else now. I yeah. mean, it was, it was the best balance for me to be able to continue to be a student athlete yeah. and play basketball, but then also have life beyond yeah. that and be able to be a college student as well. What it's did challenging you, at Division One level. What did you take away from Coach Kest when you became a coach? I think the passion piece was was the investment piece. Um, when you're around the high school coaches and and Co- Coach Daly and, and Coach Orsini weren't in the building, although Coach, Coach Orsini's husband was. You know, I think at the college level, you really see that this is the full time. This is the live it, eat, yeah. eat it, breathe it. And when you see that type of passion, it, it yeah. you know, it's their their livelihood is on the line. Yeah, you know, and, and it. There, there's a difference there, but I also learned, um, you know, about about the structure component in terms of there's no, there's really no long leashes there. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's next man up because you could have a next man up. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was not that it wasn't about winning in high school, yeah. but but this was this was about basketball and this was about winning. Okay. And I think that that transition, I think, is really too what sets apart. Yeah. Yeah. Some of what you get in high school, where is it? Do you really love it? Do you really want to be here? Yeah. And at college, it, it's got to be about the game. Yeah. So I think one of the one of the most unique things of your journey after college is how many different roles that you've had. And maybe maybe one could even say that it took you to find your place. However, each role, I think, um, knowing you as a person, you probably learned something from or gained something from or had some challenges and opportunities that you could talk about. Now, right out of college, you day traded with your dad for a year or two, right? Didn't you do some business stuff for a year or two? Yeah, for a short time. Yeah. Um, it was actually right before 9-11 hit. Okay. You know, it was that summer yeah. headed into, into, um, into the fall there. Right. And, you know, the markets shut down then in September. Okay. Um, and then, you know, a little bit of uncertainty coming out of that and really just kind of found that, that, you know what, this, I love the business aspect of it, but but this type of volatility of the up and down of the market and not really talking or interacting with people wasn't for me. So was your first job, the head coaching job at Hoban then? No. So that, that, um, so that year then I was working, um, on day trading, but then, uh, Greg Whitmer offered me the JV job at Talmadge. Okay. So I was the JV coach at Talmadge was my first, my first job there. And, um, that was one of the, the neatest, I think that's where, when I look back to and say, you know, if you, if you'd ever get back in, it'd want to be in that type of a role. It's that, again, I I don't want to be the head coach. I'd rather be the assistant, the JV, the the junior high, the, you know, in one of those roles. Why why did Um, you, why did you like that JV role so much? I think that was, um, that was where I could really sponge and learn. Um, you almost get to do it behind the scenes, you know, so the mistakes are a little bit smaller, you know, you're not on the, on the stage to see them. Um, but one of the things I really loved about that was, and and I remember this kid, um, you know, I talked to Greg into keeping a kid Mm -hmm. and this is where I think you talk about the teacher coach and what's important now at the, at, at the OHSAA and what we were doing, what you guys do every day. Um, and, and she had an eating disorder and, um, I talked Greg into keeping her, um, not that he wasn't, you know, it, it's not like that, but sure. she, she, you know, probably wasn't the best basketball player and, and shouldn't have been on our team, but yeah. you know, you knew she needed that to be a part of it. And I said, yeah. you know, she won't get in the way in terms of the drills and all this that, yeah. you know, you're, you're trying to get through at the varsity level and, you know, and her health continued to get better throughout that season. Yeah. And then she got to a point where she could play in games. Yeah. And we actually, you know, at Talmadge, 
Wadsworth was like, you know, the everything in girls basketball, right? They were ever since even when I played, you know, when you had, um, you know, Jen Martin, the point guard there through those runs of the, the um, you know, with Postack and, and uh, you know, them on staff and it was um, Osborne squad. And it was, um, we had lost by almost 50 in the JV game at Wadsworth. Wow. And then we came back to our place at Talmadge and we beat Wadsworth. Holy cow. And, yeah. and, and that kid got in and had like six points because no all she could do was come off a screen, catch yeah. and shoot, and put yeah. her in that position. It's those types of things where I yeah. think, you know, she never played basketball beyond that. And, right. But, but that's what she needed at that point in her life at that time. And I think right. that's what I really loved about it was yeah. that it wasn't about making her an unbelievable basketball player or her teammates. Yeah. It was just cultivating that experience where I could learn some X's and O's mm-hmm. and these kids could have a good experience. And I'll never yeah. forget walking into that locker room after a JV yeah. win, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, in my first year. I'll tell you what, if we could soundbite that, Jackie, to me, that what you just said, that story you just told is the essence of kind of what I want the teacher coach podcast to be about. I mean, that's why we coach, you know, you, you, you keep a kid that you mm-hmm. never, that really hardly anybody would keep, you know, that they need basketball more than you need them. And yet somehow, some way they always find a way to kind of help you. They don't, they don't always win a game, but they just teach you so much about life. Um, I, I love that story. Yeah. And it was, it was something too. I mean, she unfortunately um, passed away oh in a car gosh. accident when I was coaching at Case. And I remember her dad telling me at the funeral, wow. you know, just how much yeah. the, that time meant. Yeah. And that's where you talk about the perspective piece, right? right? Yeah. It wasn't about basketball. It right. was being about yeah. basketball was an element of it, yeah. but it's, it's whatever. And, you know, oh, my gosh, did she love that sophomore yeah. year of basketball. Jackie, can, can you share? Un- yeah. Special kid. Special kid. They went through a lot. Yeah. yeah but um, it's um, – you know, it's, it's part of that, yeah. you know, that why we do. Um, and you talk about the teacher coach, that's the influence that you have and, and hope to make in somebody's life. Jackie, just listen to your talk. And, and I understand you're maybe at a different point in your life right now. But if I was a head boys basketball coach, or if I was an athletic director, and I needed a head coach on the boys side, you'd be one of the first people I would call. I really believe that coaches are coaches and teachers are teachers. I think one of the great progressive things that the NBA has done is it's opened up its coaching doors to women. I mean, is is coaching boys has that has that ever come into your in, into your mind? I think you would just be you'd be the first person I'd want to call. Well, it's it's really funny you say that because I get asked. Um, I do get asked frequently if I'm ever going to get back into coaching. And there's a chance that um, next season I might be coaching some some third graders <laughs> and some and some first graders because I'm going to coach um, help out with my nephews, um, my nephew's team. And I, I told my brother, I said, you better. I said, you might be like, you know, lighting the fire again here. And, and you know, right. you know, whatever school they end up with, I'm going to try to, you know, stay with them. But, yeah. um, you know, it's what you're you're talking about, Scott, too, with the. Um, with the NBA. And, you know, I got to talk to Lindsay Gottlieb earlier this year when she was at an Akron women's game as she would, she coached Melissa Jackson um, at, at Richmond and came and visited and spent some time with us on air. And, you know, just even talking off air with her a little bit about the experience and the opportunities too. And, you know, it's, 
I think it's something that we've always, we as women and not to make it about women and men or, or, or that type of, of argument or, or dialogue, but you know, it's, it's just that opportunity piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I learned it from when TK would say, Hey, come, come play an open gym with us. Come in. It's, it's the opportunity. And when those doors get opened, um, and those opportunities present themselves, then it, it can craft some special things for, for people that are in the, in a position or in it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought Lindsay Gottlieb spoke really well about that when they were talking about, you know, does this, is this going to be, is this your dream is to be in the NBA? And she, I'm just taking a day at a time. Yeah. I, I saw this as an opportunity to learn and grow and learn from the guys. Right. And, and that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Well, I just look at you, Jackie, and, and, and your, your experience with basketball you have so much credibility when you walk into a gym and then men and women bring different things to the table, generally speaking. And I just think the new student athlete um, wellness is such a key factor. Um, Some kids um, have different uh, family dynamics and in feeling a sense of security and safety. Sometimes boys and girls get that from men. Sometimes they get that from women. And I think a coach's coach understands that when he or she is developing a staff, you got to be open-minded and, and everybody can't be the same on your staff. Absolutely. I know that's when I first got um, when I got hired at Case and I got a full-time assistant my last year, my, my number one thought when you talk about an assistant, I said, I need something that I am not, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this was, you know, I'm 24 years old, right? And, you know, I bring in Freeman Blade, who's, you know, a 50-year-old African-American male. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, totally two different ends of the spectrum because, yeah. you know, again, going back to Coach Daly and Coach Orsini, fire and ice, I mean, you know, you've, you've got to find ways to comp, you know, to complement what you're deficient in yeah. and to not acknowledge that or to find, you know, to not recognize that I think is, is a hindrance to, to any coach or, or any team. Right. So Jackie, you get the Hoban head coaching job. Um, what were some of your challenges and opportunities being such a young head coach for two years there? I think, well, challenges, I think was just, I didn't know what I didn't know. So yeah. I don't know if there were a lot of them. Um, and plus, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say this just because it's you here sitting here, but I mean, that was a big component TK was the fact that, um, you know, we did get to share an office and really talk through some things. And, you know, um, from a mentorship perspective, I think that that's something I still have today. I mean, I've, I've still called you and, and still reach out to you here now, you know, 20 some years later, 15 and, and, years and, later. And I call you too. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, you know, that, that anytime there were some challenges or, you know, I, I didn't know how to handle a parent or I didn't know how to, you know, kind of navigate some of that. And, um, and I, I was so grateful for, for your advice at those times. And, and because it was never, you need to do this. It was more of, you know, here's some insight, here's some food for thought. And then again, allowing me to digest it to, to how I am or, or to best suit me in terms of how something should be handled. Um, it wasn't yelling and screaming because Pat Summit does, and I wasn't sitting there because Krzyzewski sits. I mean, it's, you know, you get true to yourself in, in all those aspects, but I think that the challenge piece came down to, you know, just cultivating the the team dynamic and then just getting better at the X's and O's. Um, I think you mentioned it earlier, Scott, you know, we, we don't as coaches want to ever put our kids into a position where they're not going to be successful. That's our job. 
um, is to put our kids yeah. into positions to be successful. So I think it was just that that constant reflection of, yeah. you know, you know, what defense are they in and have I put in the right offense? Do I have the right kids on the yeah. floor? Have we worked on these skills enough? All yeah. those types of things. How, but how, I had great I had great kids, though, too. I mean, it was, um, you know, there were some parent challenges and, you know, I ruined some kids lives and, and things <laughs> like that. But, um, you know. And, and maybe I, you know, would I, would I restep a lot of things? Absolutely. I think we all would, you know, that's, that's one of my favorite quotes too. Brett Favre, the number four there is, you know, somebody asked him after a game about an interception and he just was like, do you honestly think if I knew it was going to get picked <laughs> off, I would have thrown it? Right, <laughs> like, right. I mean, I mean, at, at some point you do yeah. have to be, you know, open and realistic about some of those things that you would right. redo. But, um, but I can always say, I think that even through the challenges, if you have the, if your if your heart's in the in the right place, yeah. and, you're, and you're doing the best that you can, and and with with the information that you have at the time, right, then then the chips fall where the chips fall. Yeah. Now, Jackie, how I mean, I remember, I can't remember if I was involved in this or not, to be honest with you, but I know Sean McDermott was a friend of mine. Um, how how excited were you when the Case Western Reserve opportunity came along, and how did it come along? Was I involved that, in that or not? I can't remember that, how that happened. That was something. You were involved at once I told you about it because okay. I'll never forget this. I think it was Andrew. No, I got to get my kids, your oh, kids Abby, ready. Abby was born Abby, in 01, so yeah. Yeah, Abby wasn't sleeping Okay. And, at night. And so you were like, hey, she wouldn't sleep. So I put her in the car and I drove up and looked at campus. It's awesome. And it was like, of course he did. Of yeah. course he did. Um <laughs> But no, that was, um, you know, it was, you know, we've talked a lot of, of, of Dr. Biting, who, who is a tremendous woman. And she had, she had allowed me to work on my master's during the summer, um, the summer months, just as we were, you know, school's not in session and what have you. So even though we were in the office a little bit, she allowed me to, to go up to, I got my master's at Ashland in sports education. And so she was allowing me to go take um, some satellite classes down there in uh, Maslin at their uh, at their yeah. facility and I got out of class and I had um, a voicemail um, from the assistant athletic director at case and he's you know and and I had that year Ashley Horton was a senior for me at, at Hoban right. and was going to case so yeah. they had you know, I'd known their staff and yeah. and gotten to know a little bit more about case um, through that and she was um uh, ended up being a great player there as well, but she, um, but I, I get out of class and have this voicemail from the assistant AD, just talking about that they have a coaching opening, and you know if if I would be free to talk. And my initial thought was, um, you know that they know Horton's committed there, Ashley's right. going to be there, and they're probably just looking, you know, want to bounce some names or yeah. you know more of a, a resourceful thing. Yeah. So I, I call him back and, you know, he's talking about things and then he's asking about the, the conversation and turns a little bit to gauge my interest. Right. And so now I understand that, that this, this convert, you know, this is a different call than what I thought it, he was calling for. Right. And so we talk a little bit and he asked if I would be interested in submitting my resume. Yeah. Um, and I, and I just, it, you know, you go through one of those 30 second call or 30 minute calls and you're like, what just happened? Yeah. You know, because it, it, it totally came out of nowhere. I had no um, aspirations uh, of being a college basketball coach at that time. I didn't even, yeah. it wasn't even on my radar. I was just kind of settling in and really enjoying right. um, things at Hoban. Yeah. 
But then it kind of became one of those things that, you know, you're the more people I talk to, including yeah. yourself, you know, you don't get phone calls like that very often. No, you don't. Um, if any. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of just went through the process and took yeah. it kind of a day at a time and a step at a time and right. um, became more and more intrigued. And then, you yeah. know, next thing I know, um, I've been offered, offered the job yeah. and, um, it was something I wasn't ready for, but at the same time, couldn't turn down. Yeah. Again, you just don't know. That had you just to, don't know about opportunities. That had to be an absolutely crazy experience. How many years were you at Case again? Three or four? I was at Case for three. Three? Okay. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you there's – so, there's so much to learn when you go uh, to become a college head coach because you have to recruit, you have budgets, you have travel. I mean, you're, you're flying the games in that league, correct? Correct. Yeah, it was. um, What was that learning curve like? It was. um, It was challenging. Um, It was. um, I mean, to be frank, it was one of the most difficult times in my life. Yeah. Um, It created um, some tremendous opportunities and and kids and players that played for me and relationships with um, coaches and and people that I got to know that I am incredibly grateful for. Right. Um, But from an experience standpoint, it was. it was challenging. Yeah. I, um, I was in over my head without, I mean, I was 24 years old. Yeah. I've been a varsity coach for two years and yeah. a JV coach. I mean, that's, right. that's the breadth of the experience there. And then, um, you know, I, I was, I was new to the college world. So my yeah. college, you know, that was a, a learning curve in, in right. finding some alliances and, and some people to turn to yeah. in that regard. But, yeah. um, I just, I wasn't, um, basketball I was fine with yeah. you know the X's nose were no problem right but it, and I remember talking a, on a pod uh, a podcast show believe it or not about <laughs> I was the I was one of the youngest head coaches in the country uh-huh. and at 24 yeah they said what's what's been the biggest surprise and I said yeah. how little my job has to do with basketball <laughs> you know and it's what you talk about the budgeting the recruiting and all this and yeah. and I had two kids that year that had eating disorders wow. I had a kid you know you, you're going through some of these things that yeah. Um, I, I just wasn't prepared for from right. a from a business perspective, from a psychology perspective, from yeah. a team dynamic standpoint. All these things that um, you know, I, it was just it was a challenge. Yeah. And I think when you know, as we talked about with you know playing for Laura Lee and then playing right. for Jody Kess, what was that transition? Well, you learn that this is their livelihood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now this is my livelihood. Right. And um, you know, Division Three is a lot different than the other divisions because there's really no restrictions relative to dead periods yeah. and quiet periods. There are now, yeah. but um, I could go to a game or an event at any time. Yeah. I could call it, you know, and and as we are taught in athletics, outwork them, outwork yeah. them, outwork them, outwork them. Right. I just I couldn't shut it off. Yeah. Um, I've, heard, that, I've heard from some people. I'm sorry to cut you off, Jackie, but I've heard, yeah. I've heard from some people at that level. Uh, they don't say it like this, but I think they're trying to tell me this. I've heard it's kind of lonely at, at the D three at the at the D three level because unlike a high school, um, and 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 high, coaching is always lonely. I, I don't want to say just that job because you're at the top and 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 there's a lot of things that people. It, it's a lonely type of job. However, at a high school, you have that community around you every day, and you have thirty kids in your classroom times five, whereas. At a D3, you might not see that many kids a day other than your 12 to 15 players if it's during the season. Yeah. Is that true? That's that's very true. Um, I mean, I, I was lucky that at Case, at least from a small school perspective, you had some other coaches. Actually, their football coach, Coach Greg Deblack, called me about two days ago. Um, 
you know, so you, you, you've got kind of that sorority fraternity in that respect. Right. Um, but yet you're all in your, your zones and your trade. And, and, you yeah. know, when I'm in the height of my season, it's their downtime, but yet, right. you know, that, that can shift too. But, yeah. um, you know, this is, I don't want this to turn into my therapy session here, TK, but you, <laughs> you, you nailed it. It, 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 without question, especially being at 24, 25, 26, you know, 27 yeah. when I'm there, yeah. um, you know, it was life changing for a lot of my friends. You right. know, I was the best, um, or my, my brother got married, my best, yeah. one of my best friends, I was the maid of honor and Angie Lockhart and Chris right. Watson got married and, right. and you're seeing all these life changing things for people. And it's yeah. all I'm doing is yeah. sometimes sleeping in my office right. and, um, and, 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 you know, coaching, coaching this, these kids. And, yeah. um, you know, that's, I think too, when, right. as I went through it, that I just, that's when I realized too, that, that college coaching wasn't, wasn't for yeah. me. Yeah. Jackie, I, um, You've mentioned um, eating disorders three times now, and is and I don't know how to ask this other than directly asking it. And I have two daughters, but is is body image and eating disorders a bigger issue on the women's side than we can ever imagine? Yes, yeah, and, I, I think so. I mean, are we addre- and, are we addressing it enough in educational based coaching? Is I guess is where I want to go with that. Yeah, I, I think more so now. Yeah, okay. I, I think it's trending the right direction. I think that. Um, you know, and I'm not a psychologist or a doctor or any, anything else other than a, an observant. But um, I think with the, the the culture shift that we've had in terms of um, recognizing what Scott you mentioned earlier too, just about the the, the wellness piece, the the mental health, the aspect of yeah. it, um, all of that, as well as you know, we didn't even have strength and conditioning coaches when I, when I played in college. Wow. You know, and that's that, that, you know, you look at what you guys have there at Hoban. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's first class. Um, So I think that the fact that there's um, a little bit more of a checks and balances there um, in it, it it allows less to stray or it, or it can become um, that if there are challenges there that you can, um, that, that there's resources available now and and more readily available than, than maybe before. So you make that transition to Division One college basketball. Your next move was an assistant at Akron U. Is that correct? Um, well, I was a director of operations. Okay, so, okay director of the, operations, yeah. Yeah, and, and the main reason there you're talking about that transition was I realized, you know, you talk about the grind of coaching and recruiting and, and everything else, and, yeah. and I wanted to be fair to the kids. You know, you talk about time, right, and yeah. why am I here? Yeah. I, it just, I, I, it wouldn't have been fair to the team had I stayed, yeah. um, which was a challenging and, um, right. it was just a challenging thing to go through because right. I don't want to say you feel like a failure with it, but yeah. it was that real, it was really the first time from an adversity standpoint yeah. with the game yeah. that, that I just, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I think part of me felt like I was walking away right. and, and that there was, yeah. that there was something wrong with that. Yeah. Where now I appreciate the fact that I did right. um, because there's no yeah. need to be there if, if yeah. you're not invested I mean, in it. Because you're a, you're a winner. I mean, everything you do from an athletic standpoint, you've always won. Right. So for the first yeah. time in your life, you know, in your own mind, you're thinking, Hey, I'm, I'm not winning this right now. And, yeah. And, and, it, and I mean, what, what before we leave um, Case Western Reserve? What, what what are some of your fond memories of it? Like what 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 do you take away uh, from it? Well, uh, I mean, it, you know, sometimes we say right that the worst of things is also the best of things, yeah. and I don't mean it was the worst of things. I just I mean me personally in terms sure. of of what you go through and what you learn there. And yeah. 
like if I were to go there now or yeah. get the opportunity, it would be a, a, a different experience because right. I'm 41 now right. and I have yeah. the experience and the understanding of some things. I just, I wasn't ready at 24 and right. I get asked a lot, you know, by, should I take this job? Should I, yeah. and, and just don't go too soon because what you just talked about TK two was, you know, I used to be one of the most competitive people ever. Yeah. Um, and I lost all of that at case. Yeah. I got to the point at just, it, it just zapped me because yeah. I mean, my mom calling me on Christmas Eve, are you coming? Yeah. And I'm watching film. I don't even know what day it is. I yeah. mean, I, I was so ingrained and absorbed yeah. in it that um, it, it wasn't healthy. Yeah. And um, I needed to step away to kind of get that perspective. And that was at 27. I'm 41 now. And right. I still don't have that full zest of right. competitiveness. Yeah. But you talk about the good pieces, uh, without question, the players and the people I met there. I mean, the, the kids that, that have the opportunity to play at a school like Case, yeah. um, active um, to what they taught me in that regard about yeah. the balance of, of how intense to be at basketball and then also, right. you know, get right back on the bus and open an engineering book. Um, <laughs> right. You know, it did. But to see that to see them go out and have the success that they that they're having now, just yeah. as we see our, our high school players right. and. I, that that is without question the yeah. the best component of that. Well, how old were you when you were at Case, Jackie? I got hired at twenty four. And you left when? Uh, I would have been. I think it was twenty eight when I retired or retired um, when I walked away. Yeah. Well, your story is so similar to mine. You know, I, I just got out of, I guess, being a head coach. But I'm a heck of a. I was a heck of a lot older than that. I was fifty one. And my reasons were different. My reasons were more, I said it was because my, I have a senior son, a, a son who's a senior and a son who's a freshman. And it was a transitional period. But more than anything, it was I just needed a break because like you, incredibly competitive. And I was not giving any of my time to anything else in my life. And I just think it was so courageous what you said and we need people as coaches who understand that grind, who are around us, but also then um, can help us through those difficult moments. So I think that that can happen early in your career. And then I, can th I think it can happen later in your career for different reasons. I completely agree. Yeah, it's and that's one of the things actually, you know, Jerry Snodgrass, our executive director, and he, you know, he's a former basketball coach and he and I have talked you know, after work and, and about stuff like that all the time. And, you know, we've said that in the shortage of coaches and the need for coaches and the good coaches to stay ingrained in it is how much of a mentorship that can provide. That's like when I started to see then, you know, resources like this where you guys are actually talking through and, you know, letting people hear some of this and, hey, I've gone through that too, or that's a good idea or, you know, that shared component of it. It's really good. And I think will really help foster some of that stuff so that, you know, people don't necessarily get burned out or, or find that, you know, I might not be able to give all in, but what, what, how can I still help in some respect? And maybe that's a different level. Maybe that's a di different position. Maybe that's, you know, some other way, but um, instead of just walking away. So how was that? Um, what was it like being at the division one level as a director of ops uh, coming from, did you feel more supported, I guess? And, and a little, I, I don't want to say, if D3 is lonely, did you feel a little less lonely and more supported being around your former college head basketball coach and, and such? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I was a staff of one 
my first year at, at Case right. with a part-time assistant. Right. And then by my last year there, we did have a full-time assistant. But, yeah. um, you know, then you go to Akron where there's five of us on right. staff, you know, three assistants, a head coach and a director of ops. And yeah. the, I loved being a director of ops because um, it's like a work day. Yeah. You know, coaches live, you know, live and eat and breathe it, as we know and have talked about. Now that's transitioning too, I think. Yeah. It's not so much I need to be in the office for 16 hours, 18 hours a day. Right. Um, but it was, you know, the director of ops, I, I wasn't allowed to be on the floor coaching. Yeah. There was no X's and O's. I could be in the, you know, meetings and talk about things, but I'm not on the floor doing player development. And, right. um, you know, so I just get to sit and watch practice yeah. and, and take some of that in or help out, you know, maybe, you right. know, when needed. And yeah. um, and then at five o'clock or four o'clock, my day's done yeah. and I couldn't recruit. Right. You know, you're not allowed to be on the road. So for me, that's kind of when I started to, to, to transition and, and yeah kind of say this might be my niche yeah you know i just you know i I love business i love the analytics i love the data right and that's exactly what the operations role had been so now it's kind of you know finding my way a little bit which at that point in my life really started to help because you know i my brother is you know wanted to be a fireman since we were four years old and i was two and you know you know he's he's the battalion chief here in columbus ohio now with the columbus fire department and you know, I was always envious of that. Right. He always knew what he wanted to do with his life. And right. I felt like I'm out here wandering a little bit. Yeah. But now looking back, it all makes sense. The yeah. stops and the, and yeah. the vantage points and the, and the, right. the things I've been able to learn through those different steps. Yeah. When did you get into refereeing, Jackie? Was that right around that time or a little bit after that time? Yeah, it was right in that time where okay. I, you know, I started to get out of coaching and yeah. had some friends that said, Hey, you need to, you know, you should try this out. Yeah. And, um, once I once I started officiating, that's really when I realized too at that point in my life that coaching was not for me. Okay. Because um, I just loved getting back on the floor. Right. You know, there there was something about that as a player. Yeah. You know, and you know, some people probably say I was a ball hog. I, I don't mean this, but there's something about the ball in your hands. Yeah. You know, and I it just drove me like as a coach, and I I remember when I was coaching at Hoban and Lauren Roman, uh, you remember Lauren <laughs> oh, yeah. Roman TK, yeah. she uh she got in in trouble at practice yeah. and thought I was going to make her run, and I yeah. said no, I said you what you're doing is selfish. You've yeah. taken away from the program, so I'm not going to put make help you get in better shape. Yeah, I want you to go tomorrow instead of being here. You're going to go to the freshman practice, and you're right. going to help coach the freshmen. Right. You're going to give back to the program. <laughs> So she goes down there and loves it. <laughs> loves it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so now she's like an assistant coach for all the freshman games. She's working out her schedule so yeah. that she and we're shifting some things with right, practice so right. that she can go do this. Yeah. And I remember her, you know, and I'm sitting there, you know, waiting for our practice to start in the main gym and the freshman games going on. And and she comes up after and said, Hey, that was that was a good decision, you know, to run this or you know, talk to her about it or whatever. And she's like, Coach, they wouldn't listen. They're just not. And I'm like, but that's that that's when it hit me too. Like there's just something about the disconnect of coaching. Like yeah. you just the 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 how you have to digest that as a human being and as right. a person. Right. I couldn't comprehend that. I yeah. just I didn't know how to I don't know if coping's the right word, sure. but sure. I just I struggled with how do I process yeah. Yeah. wanting them to do this, wanting it for them in right. this respect right. and work through that. Yeah. So now I'm on the floor officiating yeah. and now it's just about the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that was that came in at a, an important time for me where I was really struggling to to find some zest and some zeal for the game and got it back. 
Boy, that, you know, I've never thought of it like that, Jackie. That that the way you put that really makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, <clears throat> some people just want to be a part of the game, and the lack of control you have as a head coach or it, when you are a coach, and what you have to swallow. You have to swallow a lot. You have to swallow your pride. You have to swallow sometimes your dignity. <laughs> you have to swallow. Oh, I I I just made the wrong decision. You know. Um, or I made the right decision, but it looked bad because we didn't execute it. So now everybody thinks I'm an idiot. Um, I mean, and, and you're not you're not physically a part of the game, you know. Yeah. And and that's true. And I've refereed a little bit, not much, but the classic in the castle, if you remember. I don't know if we had it when you were there. Yeah. But we yeah. used to referee those last couple games, and uh, it was always kind of you. You felt like it was a great challenge, mentally and physically, to try to be right. You know. Jackie, what do you want from a coach? You're you're a referee. And, and uh, I'm coaching, TK's coaching, you're the lead official or one of the three officials on our game. What do you want from us? Know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I get you. No, I, I'm telling you, there is more that I That's another thing that you talk about, you know, learning is that there are so many things that once I looked at the game that way. So that's why I say like, I, I might get back into coaching at some point and I hope I do because again, it's just another vantage point that is fed into the, to the overall picture here of the game of basketball. And, and I'm telling when you get out and officiate, you see the game. I can't watch a game as a, I only can watch a game as a, as a referee now. Yeah. Like I have to train myself to just sit down and enjoy watching a game because so much of, of officiating is angles and where you're looking and mm-hmm. um, and matchups and things like that, that I think until you're really in, in those shoes, right. it does not make sense for a coach. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is the same way that you're, you're trusting your kids to be on the floor, trust that the official is, yeah. is on the floor doing their thing too. I am the first, I mean, I've kicked more calls, yeah. um, you know, than, than I care to admit to, yeah. but that's a part of it too. Yeah. You know, you, you look at us, you look at a score sheet after a game and say, you know, all right, we average 12 turnovers a game yeah. or 18 or whatever the number is. Right. That's 12 mistakes that your team has made. Yeah. And an official can't make one. Right. Right. You know, and, and you start to look through and the game happens so fast Yeah, it does. Um, that, you know, this isn't, this isn't soccer that we're officiating where there's so much space and there's right. so much, um, there's a little bit of a pause between action. I mean, you're going from potential block charge to steal that way. Yeah. And you have to process what just yep. happened and is anything that just happened worth calling. Right. And I'm telling you as an official, that's your, you know, you got the rule book that's black and white mm-hmm. and your job as an official is to make sure that the gray goes smooth. Right. Jackie, I've coached both boys and girls. My biggest pet peeve, <laughs> the girls' game is not called the same way as the boys' game. I'll give you a simple example, the block shot. I always thought as a girls' head coach, you're not allowed to block a shot in <laughs> girls' basketball. Oh, how, how do you respond to that? <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's – we we talk about all the time, especially here in the central, you know, central part of the state now, is let the players play, you know, and um, you know it, it is a it's a challenge because when there's especially when there's such disparity and, and such a gap between skill levels too. Um, I'm with you. I mean, you know, you got to let the players play, and if a player can block a shot, then they block a shot. Um, but but that goes back to training, teaching 
you know, and, and breaking down film, which I still do. I break down officiating film and, you know, look at when I've, you know, missed a call and things like that. But, um, you know, hopefully the officials that have called those fouls on your kids have done some self-reflection as well. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have. <laughs> hey, J- Jackie, what's the highest level that you've refereed or, or some of the more memorable games, I guess, on the boys or girls side? Highest level I've worked as Division Two college college women. Have you really? Um, yeah, that's wow. That's as high as I'll go. I don't have the aspiration to to get into the Division One world, and I, I think my my window for that would have passed anyway. Um, but I, I enjoy the announcing aspect at Division One, so I kind of keep those those separate yeah. those silos separate. But yeah. um, memorable games. Um, uh, I've had a, at the high school level, there's been a few, I've been fortunate to work the state tournament before. Have you? Um, I've gotten some pushback. It's funny, you know, everybody thinks everything's so political and, right. um, I actually worked the state tournament game before I ever worked at the OHSAA. <laughs> um, so a lot of people I think thought and, and told me that I'd only gotten that opportunity because of where I work, but right. I'd actually, I'd had actually gotten my first game before then. But, um, yeah. Uh, there's, there's been a few, you know, buzzer beaters. I will say there was a game that I refed. It was a district, it was a district semifinal okay. and, uh, a, there was, a, it was a potential upset of the number one seed. Yeah. And there was a, um, the, the lower seeded team was, was down uh-huh. and they had a chance at their end to tie it. And they missed, and it just became like a bang-bang play. And the yeah. kid then, like, runs out, and they throw a long pass to her, and she just gets tackled. Yeah. Right? So I have to come in with an intentional foul. Yeah. I mean, you, you it's one of those you just, like, you don't, you as a, I didn't want to call it, but, right. Right. but what just happened yeah. is an intentional foul. Yeah. So I come in with an intentional, and yeah. I had the best partner ever, calm, cool, and yeah. he gets the coach calmed down, like, right. hey. Right. You don't have to like it, but, you know, yeah. let us work through this. And, right. you know, you how are you going to call that in this game? Because it was like a one-point one, one oh, yeah. game or what have you. Yeah. So the kid misses two free throws. They get the – you know, and so the team I called the intentional foul on with under 20 seconds to go ends up winning. Wow. And gets the upset. Oh, boy. And you're like, what a range of, you know, <laughs> 25 seconds of yeah. emotion yeah. from, you know, this side yeah. of the floor to the and, other. And, but, and had you teed them up, it's over. Correct. And that's what my partner kept saying. Yeah. Hey, you still have a chance right now. Yeah. You don't have to like it, but you still have a chance. Right. So, right. What's something as an official that you've, you've come to understand about something that we coaches should be doing more for our team? Like you talked about as an official, you've, you've gained a new perspective or angle. When, when you're refereeing a game, do you see things that you're like, wow, this coach needs to be doing more for his or her team right now. Yeah, I see that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I almost, you know, I'll stand by and be like, you know, you know, get out of the zone, get out of the zone, <laughs> um, you know, things like that. But a lot of it, too, has to do with fundamental stuff of how like a lot of it, how how some kids are taught to guard the to be to guard on the ball. Yeah. You know, just just where they're where they're putting their body weight and how they're guarding the ball, yeah. things like that that get them out of position. Right. And it's like, God, if they would just get off their right foot a little bit and lean more on their left to be able to push off, you know, things like that. Yeah. That I think have really really broken the game down. Right. Um, you know, when you can get away with displacement and when you can't. Yeah. Um, little things like that, and they'll be like, "Well, that's a foul." It. Eh, you know, yeah. a bump is not a foul. You know, right. I mean, it's 
Right. You know, there will be contact yeah. in the game. Are you more? You know, contact, are you more? Of an that's my. That I think is probably my my number one line. Contact is not a foul. Right. Illegal contact is a foul. Right. Are you more of an advantage disadvantage ref? Like I, yeah. I, I contact you, but if it doesn't really change the play, you kind of let it go. I'll be honest, and hopefully none of my assigners will hear this. It, it depends on the level I'm officiating. Right. Um, you can't you can't get away with that at you know the collegiate level as much, especially Division Two. A foul is a foul. Okay. Advantage not in high school. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to. You know, again, that's where you go back to managing the game, too. Right. You know, you don't want to penalize a good player because they can play through something. Sure, sure. But at the same time, yeah. you know, the, the teams maybe don't have the depth that they do. And, right, right. you know, how does this play out? Yeah. Jackie, your Twitter game is at its best when you're <laughs> watching a game and I'm watching the same game because when commentators or fans are complaining about officiating, I just love you setting the records straight. I, I just wanted to make that comment. I appreciate that. But I, that's the biggest thing for me is that, you know, we live in this world where everybody likes to get on the bandwagon of this or that. And yeah. that's where it goes back to. I think it's, I said it the first minute we started this, this podcast till now is the truancy. It, you've got to be true about it. Right. You know, it, you, true in your intention. And, yeah. you know, if, if it's a foul, it's a foul. But if it's not, right. let's not say it and everybody hate the official for it. Yeah. And and then move on. Yeah. I just, the, the dynamics of how people interact with that and think like that we as officials are against everybody is, <laughs> right. is beyond me. I mean, it's, right. it's the, you know, you talk about people that love basketball. I mean, it's, yeah. it's my sanctuary. And, right. To get out there and have people think that, you know, yeah. I'm an idiot and don't know that yeah. or that, you know, a, a reasoning behind it is, yeah. Jackie, Jackie, do you ever um, get assigned a game or walk into a gym and have, have, a, have a man or a woman that you just dread? Yes. <laughs> okay, enough said. Without naming names, and I'm yeah. serious, describe yeah. the coach that drives you officials crazy. It's – there are so many that um, the the main thing with it is it, it comes back to like, let me do my, my job. Yeah. The, the one that it's every play, there's something. Right. Every yeah. play, that's a walk. Yep. That's a travel. That's yeah. a hand check. That's yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Right. Yes. Right. You know, I mean, it's there, there are coaches and, and I have so much respect for, um, for some of the coaches. Andy Booth is one, uh-huh. you know, you know, there are some coaches that when they say something to you, you, you need to listen because yeah. they're not saying much to you and, right. and they might be right. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's those types of things that I think coaches warrant. I know my respect. Yeah. You know, I've walked up to coaches that are, you know, they, they might go nuts on a call. I might say, you know what? You're right. Yeah. I missed that one. Yeah. And but the coach that just wants, you know, on every play, an explanation yeah. or a yeah. call or, a right. you know, and. And some of those are too, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'll be the first to admit, was that a travel maybe, but did I call it? No, because I thought she got bumped into it. Right. You know, I mean, right. you have to process all of that so, so quickly Yeah. and then you just move on from it because, because by the time you're processing, should I have called the bump? Yeah. She's already traveled and right. now where are we? Right. Um, and I think, I, I think for coaches and this is, I guess, having a coaching background, I have more respect for coaches that simply coach their kids. Yeah. Yeah, that goes back to what we preach, right? Control the controllable. Right. You can't control when I'm going to blow my whistle and when I'm not. Yeah. But 
you know, it, it's that piece of it. But if you pick your battles yeah. and pick them in a way at which, you know, I can, you know, communicate with you on it, then we can have a conversation and, and I'll admit when I'm wrong and I'll listen to you. And, but you also have to, you know, be able to, re, you know, understand and receive the information that I'm going to provide as well. Absolutely. So Jackie, how do you get into division one college announcing on, on ESPN three or you or, or whatever channel you're on there or uh, Fox sports, perhaps I'm sorry. Um, tell yeah, us, it, tell us about how you make that jump to announcing who gave you the opportunity. So that, um, you know, I, in, in kind of this, time of reflection here and, and looking back through all these opportunities, it's, it's, it's another incredibly fortunate one. Um, I was on my way out of, um, it wasn't financially, um, from a stability standpoint, I wasn't able to stay as the director of ops and kind of stay in those roles. It just was getting to the point where, you know, I was ready to own my own home and, and kind of move on. And as much as I would have liked to have, have stuck around it at that level, it was, um, just it, it financially wasn't the best decision for me. And um, as I started to get out of that and, and Mid-American Conference, that was the first year that they were going to start doing a regional um, television package through Fox. Okay. And it was uh, Kurt Miller and, and Bob Lindsay and some others had, you know, they were kind of saying, well, who, who do we know that, you know, might – might look into this or, or knows our league or that could represent our league well. Yeah. And um, I, I, a couple of names got tossed out and I got a phone call from Pat Kilkenny, who is the uh, Fox sports Ohio. He's still there. Yeah. And we were chatting on the phone just like this. It was more conversational than anything. Right. And, and we kind of go through and he's like, okay, well, you know, do you have a DVD you can send me or like some sound bits of games that you've worked? And I'm like, right. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think you quite understand. Like, <laughs> Hey, TK, TK does have a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> He's willing to send that out to anybody. His, his demo tape. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and I just, you know, I said, explain, like, I'm not a broadcast major. I'm not a, I just am a former coach that enjoys the game and is happy to talk about it. Yeah. And, um, he said, well, this, this dialogue has gone, you know, has gone, well, why don't, why don't we meet? Why don't you come and meet? Yeah. So I show up and meet him and I just, you know, we sit down and start talking. I said, right. did you just need to make sure I didn't have a face for radio? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, and he, he's like, no, 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 that's right. not it at all. You yeah. know, and, you know, worried about it. I'm, right. I, I think you could then kind of see that I'm, you know, just going to be laid back with this and right. just happy to talk basketball. And it was, it was purely uh, right place, right time. Yeah. And uh, as that contract had changed networks, um, I've just been fortunate to, to to stay engaged with it. How many years have it's you been doing that now? Gosh, 11 seasons now? Wow. 10 seasons? Yeah, that's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. So where do you get involved in the OHSAA then? When does that, when does that occur? Um, that occurs, so... I was working when I left Akron and went in the corporate world for about three and a half years. Um, the company that I was with, I, I was really at that time wanting to move to Columbus. Okay. You know, my brother's down here, him and his wife are having kids. And yeah. again, just, just trying to find my niche a little bit. And right. the company that I was working for was going to open an office in Columbus. So I put my house on the market there in the fall, in the falls. And as things, as we all know, in the corporate world can unfold, they decided to acquire a company in Pittsburgh instead. And so when they were talking to me about this and I said, well, my, my house just sold. And so I'm, I'm out of here, you know? And so they offered to allow me to, to work remote, but 
I, um, it's just something I didn't want to do. I, I'm a people person. I wanted to get in and, and be around people. And I, I'd always felt that I can find a way to make money. I can yeah. work. I can, you know, I, I'll grind, I'll do whatever I need to do. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm lucky I didn't have any debt and my, you know, my house had sold and things like that. So I just moved to, moved to Columbus without a job and without a house at age 36. Wow. Packed, packed up a U-Haul and, with some of my belongings and moved it down here and stayed at, at my parents and my brothers um, and just really started to network and, and get get word out and see what opportunities were out there. And I right. and about I moved here August 16th and I was hired by the OHSA the, the third week of September. Wow, man, that's a pretty fast turnaround. You got was there was there a connect yeah. was there a connection or anybody that was a conduit to that or did 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 they just look at your application and say, "Wow, yeah. she's been she's done it all already." Yeah, it's um a little bit of both. So okay. I had as as I was packing up and going through some things, Tim Street, who's our director of communications, I'd done some radio work for him in some years previous. And he had found um, a picture of myself working um, with Dave Wilson on a game and just out of the blue mailed it to me yeah. um, like at the end of July when huh. my house had sold and I'm packing up. Yeah. And, and I had always, you know, so I sent him a note back and just said, hey, yeah. uh, you know, thanks for thinking of me. I've been mentioning I've been wanting to get to Columbus while I'm finally, yeah. you know, I'm finally pulling the trigger and, you know, I'm, I'm headed down there the end of August. If, right. you know, I've got an updated resume because he had worked at Ohio State and some other places and just said, hey, if you know of right. people that, you know, here's my resume and let me know what you think. And yeah. um, just was networking. And right. um, I got a call from Dr. Ross mm-hmm. and Bob Goldring that, you know, hey, let's meet and just talk about some consulting opportunities or ways to get involved. Right. We had that met, that we had a meeting scheduled for about 10 days. Yeah. And we were going to meet on a Thursday. And on Monday of that week, um, somebody left. Wow. And otherwise, there wouldn't have been an opening. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, sometimes you take a leap of faith right. and things work out. And I'm just, yeah. I, you know, I don't know where I would be if if the timing of that hadn't worked out. But um, right. so just that, incredibly fortunate. So that director of ops job with, with Jody at Akron U, um, ironically, has the same kind of name in it. You're now the assistant director of operations. So, again, similar uh, uh, vocabulary there for the Ohio High School Athletic Association. And we kind of come full circle because we kind of started with the OHSAA. Um, tell us a little bit about your role and, and what you love about it and, and what the challenges are. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's funny when I talked to Dr. Ross, who, who hired me, our, our, is now um, retired from the OHSAA as our executive director. But when I was talking with him, not knowing a job was, was available, I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to find my niche. And I feel like I've done a lot of different things, but I don't know if that amounts to anything you know, in, in the business world. And, and he was really the one that kind of said, well, you know, I think that type of versatility really, yeah. you know, helps. And, um, and, and so that, you know, was certainly appreciative to hear, but, you know, from a day-to-day perspective, it's, it's a lot of external operations, the stuff that I'm working on now, you know, it's facilities and, yeah. and contracts and things like that. I think a lot of people think, um, that we should just be able to go play in whatever venue we want to play in and, and right. that they should give that to us and that should be that. But right. um, it's it's really not that easy. I remember when we were trying to find some baseball locations, they're like, well, why aren't they playing at an Ohio State? And yeah. it's, you know, you want to say, well, yeah. Ohio State isn't allowing us to use their facility. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it just, there's, 
you know, I, we try to do everything we can. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning. Our, our job is to serve schools and right. to serve students. And, yeah. um, you know, Jerry, uh, you know, is, is really committed to that. Our staff is committed to that. And I just, you know, we kind of have, and, and people I think like to compare us to the NCA, right? The governing yeah. body and this and that. And I really wish that people did understand that, you know, our bylaws and everything that we do are driven by what principals vote on. Yeah you know, in terms of the transfer bylaw or this or that. Yeah. And, you know, from facilities and all that, all that we do to, to, to run tournaments that we're, we're doing everything we can to provide the best experience possible while maintaining the business structure that we have to, to be able to, right. you know, pay bills and not have things like right. um, tournament fees or, yeah. you know, any expenditure to the school. I mean, that's, we're yeah. one of the few States that currently doesn't have that. Right. Um, you know, we, we give an awful lot and we get a lot of, uh, Sometimes I think, I think sometimes I've gotten yelled at more in my role at the OHSA <laughs> than as a, as a basketball official wow. <laughs> because yeah. of that. And I just, um, I just really wish that people would give us the benefit of the doubt that we're doing the best we can yeah. for the students, you know, and there's, there's no ulterior motive there. You know, it's, it's, it's just to, to do and run the best tournaments we can. Right. So Jackie, um, are you, is this current role that you're in as assistant director of operations, um, one that one that 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 you would like to stay in, or are we going to hear um, Jackie Wendon's name as the commissioner of the OHSAA in a, de in a decade, ten years from now, or twenty years from now, or whatever it might be? Is that going to be in the cards? I I don't think so. I, I'm taking it, especially in the in the world that we live in today. I've learned, you know, we just it's a day at a time, and I, I love I love the behind the scenes work. I love to orchestrate things and and put things in place, and then just kind of stand to the side and, and let the event and the tournament and the championships fall into place. And um, you know, I'll just I'll just continue in that role and, and do everything I can to help to help Jerry and our organization um, through this unconventional yeah. time, which. Right. You know, a lot remains to be seen with how that's all going to shake out. But, yeah. um, but you know, it's it's been a good time to reflect and pause too, and slow yeah. down a little bit. And I think for the first time in my life, I'm I'm really at peace with where yeah. where the journey has led right. and, and with where I am now. Yeah. I, I've always kind of felt a little bit like I've enjoyed what I've done and where I've been, but um, but it hasn't felt like it fit. And and this is the first time it really feels like it fits. Absolutely. Um. Jackie, there's a, a couple other places I wanted to go, but to be honest with you, um, I think we're going to have you on again because for the sake of your time, your uh, your friend might be a 41. Alyssa might turn 41 by the time we wrap this conversation up, and, and she's going to be 40, so let, let, let's allow that to happen. But you're just a prime example of how the game um, can, can just kind of follow you along your path in life and guide you places – uh, the, the, the game is almost like, in a way, the ball, it, it's almost like it's the hand of God in a way or some spiritual entity that, that, that just kind of guided you along your path a little bit. It, it almost seemed like there was always a ball involved, so to speak, um, and, and it taught you some things. Sometimes it might have humbled you, um, but other times, you know, you, 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 uh, you won the game, so to speak, and um, it's pretty cool that you found your niche, but... I honestly, I, I don't think I would ever give up the journey to find your niche because there was so much that I learned just from hearing uh, of all of your trials and tribulations along along that journey to get to this assistant director of operations jobs with the Ohio High School Athletic Association. Um, I, I don't think I would give that up. Am I am I true in saying that? Am I am I correct in, in saying that? 
I, I think so. Absolutely. And, and I won't, I think we'll, you know, to continue to, to look at it and see what happens. I think some of the best advice, you know, I've talked about my dad an awful lot has been and continues to be a, an influential figure for me um, and somebody I rely on still to this day. But, you know, he used to tell me as a player too, especially when I was learning the game and trying to, you know, want to do everything. He just, and this is his demeanor too. He's just a real laid back guy. I would just say, you know, sometimes you got to let the game come to you and sometimes you got to go after the game. Yeah. And then he would also say, you know, and, and this was the best ad- advice as a player too. And I, you know, take what the defense gives you, right. you know, and, and I do that now with my, you know, just take what the opportunity gives you. Right. And so, you know, I, I'm enjoying my role now. I love what I, I get to do and yeah. I'm going to you know take what, take what the opportunity allows for. And, and as that continues to, to move on, I'll, I'll continue to move on with it too. Well, Jackie, I just wanted to say that the reason I loved watching you play and I appreciated you so much as a coach is I always thought you had a chip on your shoulder and that made you such an incredible competitor and brought out the best. Um, you were able to bring out the best in your team. And now this conversation, what I'm going to take away is your spirit and your energy. And, and those are two things that great teachers and great coaches are blessed with. And um, you just blessed both TK and I in our, our in our lives, but also with this conversation. And I, I just appreciate you sharing with us. Yeah, I, I appreciate it too, guys. And I think anytime, you know, it's it's funny. I don't have any basketball stuff in my house. I don't. It's um, it's the transition of how how you digest all of that is, I think, uh, a growth and part of the journey, right? That that we're all on too, and. Um, I appreciate you sharing that and, and noticing that in, in who I am and how I've carried myself, Scott. And I, I can almost tell you too, when that, when that trigger kind of went, you know, I was a senior and this is the last thing I'll say, and I'll let you guys go, but I was a senior in college and um, we were playing up at Northern Michigan, which is a, a team that was really a, in the upper echelon of the conference throughout my four years there. And Um, my dad made the trip up. There were like three dads that ended up going up to the upper peninsula. Um, you know, kind of that last hurrah uh, of a trip. And, um, I remember I, it was a game in which I played all 40 minutes and it was like, and I'm going to get this wrong, but I was probably like five of 12 from the floor, three turnovers, you know, five, six assists, two steals. So not like this, you know, 10 of 12 from the floor in, in this, this, this great game. And we lost by, I think we lost by like six or seven. And I remember coming off the floor and out of the game and, and my dad's standing there and he, and he you know, kind of looks at me and has this kind of shitty smirk, you know, <laughs> we lost, but, and, and, you know, I, and I kind of felt, you know, I felt kind of good. And, and he looks at it and he's like, that's one of the best basketball games I've ever seen you play. And it had nothing to do with, with the outcome or the stats or the whatever it was, it was the effort. It was the give and how, you know, focused and that piece of it where, you know, you know, we got, we got our butts handed to us by them, you know, a few times up there and it had nothing to do with, like I said, the winning or the outcome, but it was just the joy in being in him being able to see that without, you know, playing perfect or, you know, kind of open that door up of, you know what, I don't have to be so intense about it all the time where it has to be that chip or that perfection. But, and, you know, that was, that was at the end of my playing career. So it's, it's, I appreciate you saying that because that just brought that memory back. uh, That's a a great memory. 
well, you know, guys, go come full circle with it. I think when Dr. Biden says, what did you get out of this meeting? Or what do you take away from this meeting? I think you guys just summed up what we can take away from this from this meeting. Um, and Jackie, I think you just said it. I mean, we have givers and we have takers. And, and you're a giver. Um, and when you give everything you have to, to a passion, which was basketball, uh, and still is basketball, but athletics will call it, um, I, I think it gives back eventually, and and, and, it, and it guides you in that in the right way. Or just that giving is its own reward. It doesn't even have to give back. Just what you give is, is its own reward. So, um, Dr. Biden, we will patent that line and give that back to you. We'll trademark that, and oh, uh, and, and make sure that you get all of the all of the just do all the monies that are going to come in from this podcast for that line. Um, <laughs> Jackie, guys, Jackie Wind and Jackie, your name is just synonymous with excellence and, and a winner in our area. Um, I, you know, you're you're kind of like the artist formerly known as Prince. You could just be a symbol. Um, I mean, the name Jackie Winden, you know, just resonates across the state. It really does, and it's 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 how you have. It's I'm it's, forming it's, a big W right now. There you go. It's it's, it's kind of like. Um, it's it's how you have impacted the, the the game and athletics in so many different ways, from broadcasting to refereeing to coaching to being a director of ops, a high school coach. I mean, you've done it all, and thank you for sharing so much of that journey with us today on the Teacher Coach Podcast. This was a joy. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it, and uh, owe a lot to you, TK, um, and appreciate this opportunity too, Scott. Good to see you as always. Enjoyed it, gentlemen. Thank you.